I recognize the thin irony of a, a sermon titled The Power of Gathering on a Sunday when many folks gather other places. Uh, and so if I'm preaching to the choir, then let it be. And um, if I'm preaching to the choir, it's okay, you know. But I think gathering is important, and, and well, maybe that helps you answer the question I begin with, which is, um, what do we do when something major happens? We, we gather. Like, in the wake of the Manchester attacks this week, people gathered to remember, to support one another, to express their sadness. When something difficult happens around here, like someone loses a loved one, friends and family gather. The funeral industrial complex goes to work and people get grass mowed and houses cleaned up. Boxes of chicken seem to multiply on the counter for all who have gathered. But it's not just in difficulty that we gather, it is in joy and celebration. We've just finished graduation season. Families have traveled to gather with one another. For weddings, we gather. For the birth of a baby, we show up. We gather. And around the holidays, we make it a point to get together with those we love. Oh, and even when something fun like our sports team wins, very, well, not all of us sit at home on our couch, even though we thought we could have controlled what happened by changing seats on the couch. The superstitious among us know what I'm talking about. But when our teams win, we gather. We go to Franklin Street or the Quad or the, the Tower. We go to the parade. When something big happens, we gather. And so this morning's sermon and scripture text talk about a huge event. But one of the important things that lies outside of the theological significance of the ascension is what Jesus' disciples do after it happens. What do they do with the part of the story they can control? You see, a lot of things happen in life that we can't control, and so we react. And our reaction is the part we can control. Our reaction to significant events is the part that we can have an impact on. And oftentimes, in response, we gather. In the face of incredible experiences, the disciples did something. They continued to gather. And so as we read uh, from the book of Acts here in a second, you will see that as the disciples watched Jesus ascend into heaven and then were instructed by a couple of angels, they also have a response that I think is essential to our, our very faith. When life and faith and things are thrust upon us, we will respond, and I hope that when we respond by gathering, we find the presence of God and we find hope. We consider that as we turn to a reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it's 
Not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when He had said this, as they were watching, He was lifted up. And a cloud took Him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And all of these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Since Easter, we have loosely followed and mimicked the events of the disciples following the resurrection. We've told some of the stories of the post-resurrection interactions between Jesus and his disciples. And Today, we turn our eyes upward for a moment as Jesus ascends into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. We turn our eyes upward, and it's fitting to consider all that these disciples had seen. This this moment was the culmination of three years of ministry that they had shared with Jesus. In these three years, they saw such amazing things that this might even be a normalized sort of event. Considering that they watched water be turned into wine, they watched food just be multiplied before their eyes, they had seen Jesus exercise demons, heal, at the very least, blindness, deafness, and leprosy, but many other things. He had taught in ways that they had never seen someone teach before. He had calmed the seas. He walked on water. And he resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And then he himself was resurrected from the dead. To say that the disciples had seen it all might not literally be true. But it's pretty close. They had seen a lot. And so after all of this, a death, a resurrection, time with Jesus' post-resurrected body to affirm that he was the Son of God, fully human and fully God, he ascends into heaven. The angels tell him, he's going to come back the same way he was with you. And so they go back to Jerusalem And they get back together in that room where they had been spending time with one another. And in their gathering, I suspect, they cared for one another. I'm sure that they tried to make sense of all of the experiences that they had had with one another. They tended their relationships 
And as we continue to read, what we see is that they must have been discerning how it was they would move forward. These are a few of the really important aspects that come from gathering. Gathering reminds us who we are, reminds us where we've been, and helps us to figure out how we will go forward, especially in the face of incredible circumstances. Now, not every gathering happens after an extraordinary event. I learned a new word this week. It's quinennial, I think, which means every five years. Quadrennial is every four years, and quinquennial is every five years, and every five years on the twos and the fives, or twos and the sevens, my family gathers. You see, my great-grandparents were Finnish immigrants to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan about 110 years ago. Andrew and Sophia met here and married and had a family, and being of an apostolic Lutheran sort of faith. They had big families, like 13 brothers and sisters, 13 children who lived to adulthood. My grandfather was one of 13. And he married a Baptist from the South, so we're the small branch in the family. But his brothers and sisters had many, many cousins, or many, many children. So my dad has somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 cousins, I think. At least he says it which means um, I'm related to as many people in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan as many of you are people in Granville County. So we get together once every five years. We eat traditional foods. We sit and talk. I meet a bunch of people that I'm related to and have never met before. And And then we take this huge picture, and every, depending on which child you were a part of, you wear a different color T-shirt. Ours is... Forest Green, I guess because my parents like the Packers and the Baylor Bears. When I was in college and first married, I ended up skipping several reunions. I didn't attend. Um, I guess it was that time of life where we didn't know, I, I didn't know what was important or it wasn't important to me. We were doing other things. And I suppose that as I bring my children this year to that Reunion the first weekend of July, they might not see the importance of eating traditional food with family. They will not care that dad is preaching to the family, which is a precarious experience, I am sure it will be. They won't care that we will remember those that we lost in the last five years. But it will be important to help Help them understand the practice of gathering. Help them understand that from their dad's side of the family, even though hundreds of people have been spread all across the world every five years, they get together to remember, to gather, to rekindle a little part of who they are and understand that having a family and sharing life and and doing this together is important. And you've had family reunions in which you've done the same thing, I hope, I think. And then there's a spiritual family reunion, of course, that I think does many of the same things as well. 
When we talk about Jesus' ascension in Acts 1, there are plenty of theological and spiritual connections that we could, should, and need to make about this passage. Trinitarian Christians who affirm that the Son of God is seated at the right hand of the Father and that the Holy Spirit's presence has come to be with us and that we are bound with Jesus through the power of the Son and the Spirit and the Father together. That is very important. But it's something that we know, it's something that we understand, because there has been a long line of Christians who have gathered ever since this day, this event. They gathered and they shared the story. They gathered and they told the power of God. And we know this because those who saw it happen in real time, after they saw it, gathered with others and told them about it. And then gathered with others still. It was a part of their habit before Jesus had ascended. As we had read other places in Scripture, it was Jesus' habit to go to the synagogue on the holy day on the Sabbath. And ever since then, every seven days, once every seven days, God's people have gathered for reflection, for worship, for offering, for expressions of fellowship. And though the church in America might be seeing that people do it less and less and less, the fact of the matter is, in a world where people's lives and habits are changing faster than we can absorb them. In a world where it's only too easy to hear the news you just want to hear and not the stuff from the other side. In a world where we can very easily keep our eyes on the screen instead of on one another. And at a time when it's too easy to share proclamations online and not realize the consequences of our typing, I think it's almost even more important that we physically gather to be with one another. Because it's important to send a text message when someone is sick, and it's valuable to send a sympathy card when someone loses a loved one. But neither one of those replace human contact. There's no replacement for sitting with somebody, sharing space with them, and then there's hardly a better way to be connected to the people of God than remembering those words from Matthew where Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm with them also. This just might be the best way to be in touch with God is to be gathered with one another. Because God made us social people. He made us people who can understand amazing things about what He has done and who He is. But sometimes, getting through the most difficult things in life, getting through the most important things, and understanding the most amazing things in life, takes getting together, gathering, and figuring out how can we do this together? How can we share the load how can we walk with one another? This, I believe, is true. This, I believe, is biblical. This, I believe, will always be where the power of the church lies. Not necessarily in programs or propaganda and not in trips and activities and curriculum. Those are all tools we use to help the church realize its full power, which is a power that exists when we get together 
when we turn our eyes upward, and after having turned our eyes upward, look back to one another and say, what just happened? And in both, we acknowledge the the presence of God who ascended so that the Spirit could be with us. As I mentioned to the children, the, the New Testament writings that follow this story tell the many stories of the people of God, God's first people, God's first Christian people, I suppose, who gather and sought to, to learn and to figure out and work out what a faithful life meant. From the passages here, you can learn all kinds of things. From all of the passages in Scripture, you can learn about morality and ethics and theology and faithfulness and spirituality. And, and you can fashion a Christian life and faith that is centered on just the things you do by yourself to nurture your faithfulness. And you should do those things. You should listen to podcasts and you should pray and sit in silence and read scripture. And as you go, you should seek ways to share the love of God. But all of those things make more sense when we don't forget the power in gathering. There's power in being with one another and it's not measurable and it's not quantifiable and and sometimes it's not even definable. But But in Scripture, we're not to live by bread alone, but by the power of God that is alive within us. And we live by the power and presence of God by getting together with one another and talking about what God is doing and and learning about how to see where we can experience God and remembering in the face of joy and triumph or tragedy and difficulty, remembering who we are and whose we are. And so on Ascension Sunday, we watch Jesus ascend into heaven and and the creeds tell us he's taken his hand, his place at the right hand of the Father. And when the disciples saw this, what they did was they returned to Jerusalem to their upper room and they gathered and they prayed and they worshipped and they affirmed what they knew and they sorted out what they hadn't figured out yet. And they remembered that they were the Lord's. And so too, in the wake of incredible events, we will continue to gather. And even in the rhythm of regular life, because it is Sunday, the day of worship, we will gather. Amid the mundane, we will gather. And in getting together, we will remember we are the Lord's. We will acknowledge we are the Lord's. And we will seek the Lord again. God's people gather And in gathering, they experience the power and presence of God in a unique way. That is what we believe. That is a story we must tell. And that is a a spirit we must embody as we are gathered today and so that we will gather again in the days ahead. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving and holy God, We see throughout Scripture great power when your people gather. They understand you more. They come to know you better. They experience your love. 
in significant ways. And they're affirmed in the promise that you are with us where two or more are gathered. And so, Lord, as your people gather today, seeking to worship you, seeking to offer our best, and certainly seeking to hear a word from you, affirm us in our gathering, assure us of your love and presence, and carry us forward as only you can for having been gathered today. And Lord, help us to encourage others to gather with us so that they too might understand your love and know your grace and feel your power in the beautiful way that we feel it when we are gathered. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day and we thank you for these words. May they rest on our hearts and carry us forward into the days ahead. It is in your name we pray today. Amen.